Hey guys, I'm Mike, and welcome back to No Limits, the Mitch Rap Podcast. I wanted to come on today to share a few announcements with you about the amazing things going on across all three seasons of the No Limits Podcast. First off, here on this feed, which it's been a while since we've published an episode now that we're done with all the Mitch Rap books, we do have two really special things coming up that you can look forward to here on the Mitch Rap Pod. First, we are announcing a legendary guest, a master, and an icon for all Mitrap fans everywhere, George Goodell, the voice of Mitrap from the audiobooks, will be joining us here in the next couple of weeks on Mitrap Pod. So stay tuned for that amazing chat with George Goodell, the narrator of just about every book in the Mitrap series, including Oath of Loyalty, coming out later this year in September. And of course, we'll be bringing to you a two-part review once Oath of Loyalty drops, and we really hope to have Kyle Mills back on the show for a spoiler-filled discussion of what happens in Oath of Loyalty. I think it's going to include some major, major pieces in the arc of Mitch Rapp, Irene Kennedy, Claudia, and everyone else that we love. Also, after my next few announcements, this episode is a preview of what's on Season 2, the Scott Harvath Podcast, and we're going to leave you a short clip of our chat with Brad Thor himself. Just last night, Brad Thor was so kind to spend about an hour and a half of his time talking to Chris and I about his career, about the character of Scott and about the newest book in that series, also number 21, Rising Tiger. We're going to leave you at the end of this episode here with a short preview, just a few minutes of our chat with Brad Thor. And if you haven't, please subscribe to No Limits, the Scott Harvath season, to hear that full episode and for more content where we cover every book in the Scott Harvath series by Brad Thor. One more announcement, though, to also make a plug for our third season, No Limits, the Thriller podcast. I know you guys would love it over there. We're covering a range of authors from Andrews and Wilson to Chris Howdy, Ward Larson, Jack Carr, and Mark Greeny, both of who in the next month or so will be coming on the podcast with us. So be sure to check out No Limits, the Thriller podcast. We've already started reading the Terminalist, we've covered In the Blood, Jack Carr's newest release, and just within the next week, we are going to binge and review all eight episodes in the Terminalist TV show starring Chris Pratt. We're going to cover every episode there. We're going to bring on some guests and really chat about the show. So if you are a thriller fan in general, head on over to No Limits, the thriller podcast, and subscribe Please, on any one of our seasons, leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you don't listen in Apple Podcasts but you have an iPhone, go ahead, open up the podcast app, leave us a review there. And if you have Spotify, go ahead on Spotify, find all three seasons of No Limits. We'd love to have you tag along 
all of our OGs, the original followers from the Mitch Rapp series, please join us across the Thrillerverse as we continue to cover Scott Harvath, James Reese, and all the other characters you love. And now, a preview of our interview with Brad Thor. We, we definitely want to get into Rising Tiger. Killed it out of the park. Really good. Oh, thank you. If you don't mind, before we get into that, though, we, you know, obviously we're dedicating all of season two to your books, uh, to, you to the character Scott Harvath. Uh, so, you know, this is the first time on the pod. So we have, we have some questions uh, that we'd like to, you know, just some general, you know, information about you, some questions we had. Ask away. When we had, um, you know, our first season was all about Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills. When we had Kyle mm-hmm. on... One of the first questions we asked them was, you know, what makes uh, a Kyle Mills novel a Kyle Mills novel? And so obviously mm-hmm. we want to ask you what makes, we, we think we know, well, we, we, we think we know, but, you know, you can okay. tell us better. What makes a Brad Thor novel a Brad Thor novel? All right. So there's a couple of things. Uh, I call what I do faction, where you don't know where the facts end and the fiction begins. Uh, I think one of the hallmarks of a Brad Thor novel is that the action starts on page one. And I am normally setting my uh, my novels against a, a big geopolitical set piece, right? So there's a big thing happening somewhere in the world. Uh, it creates a problem, and Harvath is the answer to that problem. So uh, I would say action starts on page one, uh, short, crisp, cinematic chapters. Uh, and I like to end each chapter such that you want to keep going, kind of like you can't eat just one Pringle out of the can, right? You're going to keep right. grabbing another and another and another. So uh, sense of humor mixed in there, not too much, uh, but when appropriate, because a lot of the guys that I know that are downrange, it's the sense of humor, the kind of gallows humor that gets them through it. I don't know a single person that does the stuff that Harvet does that doesn't have like kind of a dark, very sick sense of humor, not very sick, but a dark sense of humor, which I think is a, a hallmark of a, of a very intelligent person. Uh, dumb people don't have dark senses of humor. They're not capable of processing humor uh, that's super dark like that. So that's always been a hallmark of high intelligence. And Harvath is a really smart guy. So are the other operators Definitely. that he works with. Um, so that'd be some stuff right off the bat that I would say about the novels. All that happens in this book for sure. And Scott even gets a little partner for a lot of his antics and jokes, which is really fun with the character of VJ. Mm-hmm. But would you also say, and we call them Thorisms on the podcast, and this happened mm-hmm. from book one all the way now into 21, traveling. Travel, locations, yeah. and setting to me is a hallmark of not just your writing, but also your life. And I love how you infuse that. And we've mentioned your traveling light series on the podcast. We love those old travel shows. We made a podcast segment we use with every book called Traveling Heavy, because Scott is traveling heavy. <laughs> always, sure. always traveling heavy. We like to document where he goes around the world. And so in this book, you're in a whole new area in yeah. India. And that's something new, something different, I'd imagine, not just for Scott, but also yourself in doing research and writing. Yep, absolutely. Uh you know, it's interesting because the opening chapter of, uh, and we've released uh, the first two chapters uh, as sample chapters people can read of Rising Tiger. And then we put out a substantial chunk of what follows that uh, as an audio excerpt. 
So you can actually listen to, so there were two chapters and then Harvath appears in the third chapter and then is there for several after that. You can listen to the audio version of it, which was a, uh, it's the longest audio segment we've ever released. It's over 20 minutes, which was really cool that Simon & Schuster Audio wanted to do that. Um, But yeah, I, two summers ago, June of 2020, High up in the Alps, uh, Chinese soldiers crept across the Alps, Himalayas. Sorry, uh, I'm thinking lines of Lucerne, and I've got uh, I've got the Swiss Alps on the brain. Uh, but so the Chinese soldiers creep over the Himalayas into India, and there is a rule that goes back to 1996, which is you can't use firearms in this region. So it's like Walking Dead. The Chinese soldiers come across with iron rods studded with spikes and baseball bats wrapped with concertina wire and barbed wire and stuff. And it was in real life a very brutal, bloody, hand-to-hand six-hour melee, something out of uh, the Middle Ages. And it was just just terrible. And when I had heard about it, read about it, I was like, this is really fascinating that the Chinese would do this and that this would happen. And the more I looked into this part of the world, I was like, wow, there's a lot going on, a lot of espionage in New Delhi. And um, India, during the lockdowns and COVID, I took stock of how much stuff we rely on that comes from China. And I was blown away. And this whole just-in-time delivery system that as you're grabbing the last loaf of Wonder Bread off the shelf at your grocery store, a truck is pulling around back and dropping off a new load. Nobody nobody stores anything on site anymore. So it's all logistics and just-in-time delivery. And COVID completely upended that. And we're still feeling the effects, right? Supply chain issues and that kind of a thing. So the United States is the world's oldest democracy, but India is its biggest. And it's such a natural partner for us. And when India went to war with China, uh, you know, we, we we did not take India's side. Uh, we, uh, we, we that happened. Russia really had uh, made a, a lot of inroads with India uh, after I think it was forty seven when when India gained its independence, nineteen forty seven. Uh, so they the Indians have uh, Russian missile systems and MIGs and things like this, and it makes sense for the United States, particularly with everything that's going on with Russia and Ukraine now, for us to try to draw India close to us. They are a natural partner, a natural ally for, for, for the United States. And uh, China's encroaching all around India, whether it's in Pakistan via the Belt and Road Initiative, whether it's through their naval uh, equivalent of the Belt and Road called the String of Pearls, where they're setting up basing and stuff in the Indian Ocean. So I, I thought, wow, a cool spy novel would take place in India and would have the U.S. trying to draw India into an Asian version of NATO and to put India at the center of that. It would drive the Chinese crazy. They would do anything they could to derail it. And I thought it would just be a really cool way to, uh, that'd be my big geopolitical set piece and be a lot of fun to set it in, in India. But I really didn't know a lot about India. I had not traveled there. I had friends that had traveled there. I had friends that had worked there, whether it was embassy work or other kind of stuff for the US government. So this happens. If I can't get to a location to do the research myself for one of my thrillers, I want to talk to somebody who is quote unquote operated there. I want somebody whose job it is to see and notice every single detail and to notice when something's off because either the mission depends on it or their life depends on it because you'll get really good color details from people whose job it is to pay attention to that stuff. And so uh, probably the hardest book I've ever written because it was just such foreign territory for me, but it was also foreign for Harvath. So kind of my learning about India, you could see Harvath doing that. 
And in fact, uh, I reached out to someone who is a diplomatic security service agent, a good buddy of mine, and Jack Carr's friends with him as well. His name is Fred Burton. Yes. And Fred has uh, yeah. written some great nonfiction, Ghost, Beirut Rules. He's and been on the I podcast. Said, oh, you guys have, okay. So you guys yep. know Fred. He's such a wonderful guy. And I said, Fred, you know, what would, if Harvath needed to go over to India and look into a kind of covert diplomat, a shadow diplomat that was trying to speak to Indian power brokers about getting involved in this Asian version of NATO, how's Harvath going to kind of convince the police to work with him? Is he going to have to go in and steal the file on the investigation or what's he going to do? And, and Fred told me, he said, no, at our major embassies around the world, and even some of the less major ones, the, the embassy hires an old retired cop who's really well connected so that if there's an American tourist that has any problems over there or somebody at the embassy, you've got somebody that can kind of navigate that system. And so with VJ, uh, the Foreign Service National Slash Investigator is the technical term at the embassy forum. I wanted to create kind of that uh, Sean Connery cop in The Untouchable with Kevin Costner, but with a little bit better sense of humor. Because Sean Connery had that sense of humor, but I wanted to give him a little bit more. And so I did an Indian version of that with, with Vijay uh, to be Harvath's kind of partner through the novel and to be his guide to India, right? right. Because Harvath didn't know anything about the country and Vijay steps him through.